This is MPN. Welcome to Movie Matchup. I'm Casey. And I'm Grace. A podcast where we talk in-depth about two movies with a common theme, and at the end, we'll talk about menu items you can enjoy while having your movie marathon. Grace, what is this week's theme? This week's theme is Cottage Hardcore. Yay! Yay! And our first movie that we're going to talk about um, is Midsummer or Midsummer, I guess, depending on how you want to, to <laughs> describe it, but I'm going to say Midsummer for this. Um and, ha, huh, you know what I didn't do? And I have looked at my notes so much and gone over everything. Um, and we're just going to blindly lead, read the one off of IMDb. Yeah. A couple of travelers <laughs> travels to Scandinavia to visit a rural – it's already wrong. Um, <laughs> a rural hometown's fabled Swedish midsummer festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. So that is partially accurate. <laughs> and our second movie is uh, the remake of The Wicker Man. Um, didn't, we'll explain why we chose that in, in a bit. Um, but for now, the summary is a sheriff investigating the disappearance of a young girl from a small island discovers there's a larger mystery to solve among the island's secretive neo-pagan community. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, why did we pair up these two movies, Casey? <laughs> uh, I think they're okay. So they're both movies about mysterious cult-like groups of mm -hmm. really outdoorsy people <laughs> who have pagan festivals with ritual human sacrifices, mm -hmm. specifically. These two have exes in like the ultimate burning of your exes stuff is to actually burn your ex after he's been dressed up as a bear. Yes. Very specific. <laughs> it's, it's, it's super specific. Um, <laughs> and uh, we chose the remake for Wicker Man just because, well, mostly because Midsummer is a very... Uh, it's a bit of a bummer, I'll say. <laughs> it's a very heavy movie, I feel yeah, like. It is. Um, and so we wanted to uh, sort of lighten things up a little bit with uh, The Wicker Man, which is, according to Nicolas Cage, a, a uh, intentional dark comedy. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that is why we chose uh, the remake for the wicker man i will say i did also watch the original wicker man because i hadn't watched it before before it seems to be in the original um and it is surprise surprise a much better movie um but also i would say if you have the time for a triple feature i almost feel like midsummer is a better uh like continuation of the ideas in uh, the Wicker Man, the original Wicker Man, than the Wicker Man <laughs> remake is. So I would probably go like original Wicker Man, then Midsummer, and then end on the on the high note of Wicker Man remake. 
Yeah, that would be a good triple feature to do. A lot of there's like articles and a lot of people I think compare and contrast like the original Wicker Man and yeah. Midsummer, like when Midsummer came out. Um, uh, although no bear costume in the original Wicker Man, so we're well, missing out on that. Bringing it all together. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, especially aesthetically, these, these movies have a whole lot in common. There's just, you know, the outdoor at one with nature community that's, you know, just, it, it looks so inviting and happy. It's lots of flowers and, uh, you know, just becoming, um, getting back to your roots with nature and stuff. It's the kind of retreat that anybody would want to go on, really. (laughs) Um, if only the people weren't, uh, so murdery um if only. yeah if only. <laughs> yeah because even the like the clothes seem really comfortable they have all these just like white kind of like frocks and dresses and stuff that they wear mm-hmm. um you know in midsummer we have like the may queen and in the wicker man um like the photos it says like rowan woodward goddess on her photo and they look right. the same they have like the it's flower it's basically crown the may queen yeah it's it's yeah. the same concept i think um, yeah, we got the wall, the wall of May Queens in both movies <laughs> with the pictures. Yeah. Um, what else? Let's see. Yeah, there's this whole idea of like, yes, everything seems weird from your perspective, but you're just in a different culture than than we are. And and really, if you just open your mind a little bit, you'll understand <laughs> where we're coming from. Uh, that sort of sustains our our protagonists within these worlds for, for the length of the movie, because if they were just a little bit more close-minded, they probably would have left before the end. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, um, well, Nicholas Cage does have the, uh, the added incentive of trying to find a missing little girl, but still, I feel like uh, a smarter person would probably have left to, to get help at some point. <laughs> before him yeah i think he like weirdly meets a lot more resistance you know like Mm -hmm. they don't want him there and they want to keep him out nobody is friendly really to him and stuff like that but i guess he has the drive of the missing girl whereas like in midsummer it's like a give and take like they're welcome to be there but you also see a lot more questionable stuff Mm -hmm. um right away yeah it's a little weird and it's something that lends to i think the humor of of wicker man just how uh straight up mean (laughs) they are to him as soon as he shows up and like this is something that's handled a little better i think in the original version because there's there's obviously a a tension there but it's it's something that progresses throughout the movie he sees there's not this immediate like antagonism toward him as soon as he appears uh on the island and uh in uh, the remake, it's very much like, man, these people are just, they do not want him here. <laughs> They're just the least welcoming community <laughs> you've ever seen. And especially in contrast to Midsummer, where it's like, oh, you can kind of see how she becomes, uh, ends up becoming part of this community in the end because it, 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 they're, they're very welcoming. They seem like a lovely people for, uh, well, for a while. <laughs> yeah. Until things take a turn. If you can just push past the terrible stuff, yeah. you can get like something, you know, out of it. I, 
I do think it's a little weird that they are so uh, uninviting to Nicolas Cage when it's like a long con. Like ultimately, you wanted him here. So why push back so much? There's a, there's a, it it does not make sense. (laughs) Yeah. Like it kind of works as an idea that they want him to remain suspicious of all of them in order to stay there and look for their little girl. But again, I feel like uh, any rational person probably would have left before he does in order to get help because he's facing so much much resistance from them the entire entire time. But, you know, it just kind of lends to the the charm of the movie, really. I'm just going to warn you up front, um, settle in. My notes for Midsummer are a little long okay. because I feel like it's the like analysis of how everybody kind of like handles things as they, as they go. So it's, mm-hmm. it's long, definitely longer than my notes for, um, for the Wicker Man, but it's also the right. director's cut. So it's almost three hours long. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot more to, uh, analyze about Midsummer as well than there is about <laughs> about wicker man but anyway we'll get There's wicker man will probably be shorter there, yeah, this is funny things in wicker man but yeah. <laughs> okay so midsummer came out in 2019 it is currently on amazon prime um although i will be talking about like the director's cut version which is two hours and 51 minutes. So. Oh, on that note, also, I'll say, uh, please watch the unrated version of The Wicker Man. Um, it's, it's, I think, only like four minutes longer, but a really vital scene is cut out in the theatrical release uh-huh. um, that just ruins the whole movie, in my opinion. So uh, unrated in, in, in both cases, I guess. I don't know if the director's cut of Midsummer is unrated, but maybe. Midsummer, it starts and it's night and it's cold and there's snow and you're just seeing the woods and everything is very dark and you're just getting this sort of like cold feeling um, just to contrast with later. So Danny, played by Florence Pugh, she calls her parents and leaves them a message because she got a weird email from her sister saying, I can't anymore. Everything's black. Mom and dad are coming to goodbye. So... She then calls her boyfriend, Christian, played by Jack Rayner, who should be able to be to swing by that night. Um, he tells Danny that she's encouraging her sister's behavior. She then calls a friend concerned that she's driving him away. I just want to point out, <clears throat> she says, I love you at the end of her conversation with Christian. And it is so belabored, his I love you back. Like, he is just... <laughs> anyway... <laughs> We're already starting in a bad place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Christian's friends are telling him to break up with her. Mark, played by Will Poulter, says he's been wanting out for a year. And Josh, played by William Jackson Harper, asks if he's torturing himself to avoid writing his thesis. <laughs> so it just really starts off with like a sense of both of these of both of these friends of his. So yep. Jamie then calls him again, crying because her sister killed herself and her parents. By funneling carbon monoxide into the house. And we get a long, uncomfortable scene of Danny crying while Christian holds her on the couch. And then we get our credits just over snow falling at night and everything is just dark. Very reminiscent of the morning scene, I feel like, in Hereditary as well. Ah. Um, 
just just the guttural animal like crying uh-huh. uh, of these people uh, in in mourning. We go from just like misery at night and all this pain, and then we just cut to bright day. And Christian is trying to like sneak away uh, from Danny to go to a party, but Danny can't sleep, so she decides to go with him. And she learns. Let's point out that you can get the art in this scene at IKEA now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're selling that picture of the bear and the mm-hmm. little girl. Anyway. <laughs> Um, So she learns that Pele has invited Christian, Josh, and Mark to visit his community in Sweden and celebrate Midsummer. And the guys have all agreed to go, but Christian didn't tell Danny. He tries to backpedal a little bit uh, that he was talking about it, but he's already bought a ticket and they leave in two weeks. Yeah, we've been talking about it. You know. uh, uh, (laughs) Oh, God. He's just... They make him absolutely the worst in this movie. They do, but they do it in a really great way because it's not like, oh, he's just pure evil. Like he clearly, it's, no, not, no. it's not the obvious like everything else that it's like, oh, he like kicks a cat or something so that you know this is an evil person or he's like mean to a child. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a very subtle thing. So it's not anything that you're necessarily going to just like totally lose your mind and write off. It's just these little like micro awful like things yeah, that, it's like it's like he's the one who you know lied to his girlfriend about going on a trip, and then she ends up apologizing to him because when she confronts him about it, he acts like she's being a crazy person for having a problem with him not telling her, and it's just like, oh my god! <laughs> so he says, "I'm sorry." And not because he's sorry, but because it's it's a tactic to, will this fix the situation if I apologize? And he's just testing it, and it doesn't. But (laughs) so then he becomes the victim, and he's the one being attacked, and she says, I'm sorry, and she tells him to go, um, but now he's upset. Right. Uh, And so then he tries to make her feel even worse by saying that he was going to ask her to go as a surprise. So... Um, then, uh, we go to his friend's house where he tells his friends, he's shitty to his friends. I mean, they're all terrible to each other. Um, but he tells his friends right before she's going to enter like the house or apartment that he invited her on the trip. He's already in the room with them, but he has waited until Danny's going to arrive. Like we don't see the before, but he's clearly there, but he waits until right before she's going to enter to be like, Oh, I invited her. Oh, and it was your idea. (laughs) And then just... So Pele explains that it's a nine-day festival that his community holds, and he shows Danny photos and is staring at her when he's talking to her about the May Queen. Um, and he's, like, giving her eye contact, and he listens to her. He is the only one that asks her questions, and he's the only one that shows any sympathy for her family dying. Of all the characters in the movie, mm-hmm. it's like we don't even see Christian say anything or, like, really, like, check it. You know, like, it's just he's the only one. Yeah. Like, he holds her when she's breaking down and crying, but he's just, like, staring off into space. Like, <laughs> yeah. he does not want to be yeah. there. <laughs> um, so then we arrive in Sweden, and we're in the in the car on the way to Harga, and the guys are talking about how these women are hotter. Like, she's in the car with them, and they just don't care. And, like, these women are hotter, and a story about a guy that bludgeoned his wife and then some crazy thing that Mark saw about a woman with three clits. So just, yeah. 
there's yeah. so then yeah. um josh mentions that his thesis is on european midsummer traditions and christian might be doing his thesis on the same thing and danny says see that pele you managed to brainwash all your friends <laughs> so they arrive and they meet simon and connie who have also been invited to observe the midsummer festival and everyone is planning to take mushrooms and danny doesn't really she not that she doesn't want to take them at all but like right now she's not really ready to take them and so christian says yeah they just arrived yeah so christian says that he'll wait to take them and i think that this is the nicest he is to her in the entire film he, he <laughs> says that he will wait for her twice and then it's like offered mark is like oh but we're gonna have different experiences he's like nope i'm gonna wait and then Danny feels pressure from Mark to take them. But twice, he, like, actually defends her. And that's the best thing I can say about him. He said <laughs> twice he was going to wait to do drugs to do them when she was going to be ready to do drugs. Uh, what a sweet what guy. What a sweet guy. So, yeah. So then she's pressured. So they take drugs. But because we're in Sweden and, uh, like, light is different there. And the days are the days are longer. So I just, I wrote down when Mark says, what time is it? And Christian's like, it's 9 p.m. He's like, that can't be right. The sky's blue. He's like, it's <laughs> fine. It's Sweden. I'm like, just. Uh, he is pretty funny, uh, Mark, when he's when he's high. I'll say, I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah, because then he's like freaking out and he like. He wants, it's most likable. Yeah, he like wants to lie down. He's like, everybody lie down. <laughs> So then they, they walk a long way. They're like outside of Harga and then they have to walk a long way to get to the actual community of Harga, which I think seems great if you never want anybody to leave, that they probably yep. take them a long ways to, this isn't dangerous to at find all. civilization. Um, and then <laughs> once you get there, everything gives you the illusion of safety. Everything is very open. You would have space to run if you needed to. It's outdoors. It, everything that they wear is like very, they wear these like flowy white frocks. There's a garden. There's children. There's like a cow wandering around. Like everything to make you like feel safer. It's like children are here. So it's safe. It's yes. bright. You can see very well. Like something very interesting that you don't see in horror movies because everything is usually like enclosed, dark. You can't see, you know, you just, you can't see anything in here. It's just like everything to make you feel safer that you can you can mm -hmm. relax in, in where you are, that you can get out if you if you needed to. Um but yeah, so uh, I really like that this movie does that, that it even though it's a horror film. But um yeah. so then they start to experience this totally different culture. And Pele explains that there's like fire that's been burning since he was born. And they sit in this, I don't know what to call like this formation, but they have the tables at like a certain angle that they all sit in, like long benches, but they form um, like the rune or like a symbol, like they 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 do these like this formation. Yeah, it's like a diamond X type yeah. thing or something. <laughs> um, and they sit in silence um, to like wait to eat until somebody else starts to eat. And there's a man chanting. Um, so then they're they're dancing, and a girl playfully kicks Christian, and then he goes off to dance with her. Pelly remembers that it's Danny's birthday, and he drew her a photo. Christian has forgotten. Uh, and then he also forgets how long they've been dating. Now, she says that they have been dating four years and two weeks. 
And if that is true, and he thought they were dating three and a half years, that means he also missed their anniversary. Like, clearly yeah. you did not celebrate your anniversary two weeks before that and then forget. <laughs> it's also just so funny in that scene how the contrast between them and the other couple that's been brought uh, by, you know, uh, one of the other guys to, to experience Midsummer, uh, who are recently engaged and they're just like, you know, looking coupley. He's got his arm around her and they're, you know always in sync and in contrast like you wouldn't even know that Danny and Christian work no. yeah <laughs> so then we see like some art there's art in the movie and on the walls and Pele shows them where they're going to be sleeping and this art can all kind of tell you what is going to happen to these characters it is just, <laughs> it's, it's written on the walls um, so Pele explains that they see life in seasons so spring is until you're 18, summer is 18 to 36, fall is 36 to 54, and winter is 54 to 72. And that's it. We just ended at 72. So yep. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Um, but going by those um, seasons for ages, the characters by their age are mid-summer. Uh, yeah. Um, so then... I feel very dumb that that never occurred to me. It didn't like it hasn't occurred to me either because you know it's it's this festival that they're going to. That all these characters happen to be the age that yeah. So Pele tells Christian that it's Danny's birthday, and he tries to give her a piece of cake with a candle in it, but it won't light. He says he got fucked up by the daylight and thought it was yesterday. If it was yesterday, you also missed it. Like, that's not an excuse <laughs> that, like, oh, I didn't wish you had your birthday today because I didn't wish you one yesterday. I thought it was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it also, he told her what day it was. He knew what day it was when they woke up from their trip. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he has a better sense of it than, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then Mark... Okay, so Mark is self-centered and disrespectful about the traditions that these people have. And he, like, says that someone should tell those girls they're walking stupid because they're walking backwards and picking flowers. And this is just kind of how he is about everything with, with the culture. He has no interest in learning any of it or absorbing any of it. He's just there for himself and to have fun. So no one eats until the two people at the head of the table start to eat. And Mark also doesn't like the food. Like, they're, they're trying to make it gross. <laughs> he goes to take a nap. Next up is Atastupa, which Josh knows is a ritual suicide. But he doesn't tell anyone, including Danny. Like, where Mark doesn't care and he's disrespectful, Josh, I think, likes being smarter than everybody else. Yeah. So, it's like, you don't know what it means. Like, he's, he's probably the most likable uh, of the group mm -hmm. <laughs> i'd say um but he's still uh you know he, he makes some mis missteps which is why he has to die um, <laughs> in a lot of ways this movie i think you know i think a lot of people think of it as like elevated horror but it's also a very classic example of like here's a group of young people who are really annoying and terrible and we're gonna watch all of them get killed yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> just like a classic slasher yeah. movie so anyway, okay, so Josh Josh knows that it's going to be a ritual suicide. 
And like he doesn't want to say anything because he wants to be smarter than them. But you also have someone in the group that has just lost her entire family. And you are not yeah. going to tell her that she is going to go and see a ritual suicide, which is just. Yeah. I mean, like, even if he thinks that it's like not a, an actual suicide, that it's going to be like some sort of like play act or something like that, that would still be something upsetting <laughs> for her to witness. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And that's the thing is like, they're all just really terrible in different ways. And his, I feel like, mm -hmm. seems like it's it's very different than the others where I think Mark is more typical for a horror movie that he's just like this asshole dude that's not paying attention and he's just going to be like dumb about stuff and like that's going to get It's going to vape around the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Josh is just like, he's intrusive for personal gain and he kind of like mm -hmm. isn't, doesn't care about other people. And I mean, Christian crosses over with that as well, but- yeah. So it's just, that's just so messed up to not tell someone that they're going to go see people die when their entire family just died. Yeah. But yeah, so he wants to just kind of invade every aspect of their tradition for personal gain. And he also not in a really respectful way. Um, so then at the, uh, at the ritual, there's a woman cuts her hand. The woman who was eating first at the table. Because everything, again, feels very, like, respectful for these people. You don't really know what's going to happen. But right. these people have been – these two people have been, like, chosen as sort of, like, special in the time that they have been there. So she cuts her hands and spreads the blood on a stone. And then she falls off of a cliff, slamming onto a rock, dying. And understandably, Connie and Simon freak out. And they start yeah. telling the man not to jump off of the cliff. And Danny is in shock. And Christian and Josh are both clearly uncomfortable. But Josh still very much is just kind of like watching what's happening. So the man jumps off, but he doesn't die. And so then the community starts moaning in his pain, like with him, like mimicking what he's doing. Um, and then people take turns smashing his body uh, until he's dead. With the giant yeah. mallet. <laughs> Um, it's a ritual. It's uh, fine. <laughs> so Siv uh, tries to calm down Connie and Simon, saying that their sacrifice is a great joy for them, and it will be a great joy for her when it's her time for this to happen to her. Uh, it does not work. But <laughs> so the reactions to this kind of tell you everything that you need to know about the characters. So Simon and Connie mm -hmm. want to leave. The, like, very popular video uh, of Danny just, like, walking through the field to yes. just, like, break down and cry. Josh reacts by immediately wanting to go and write about what just happened. And Christian's reaction is to immediately tell Josh that he will be doing his thesis on Harga. Which upsets Josh that he's stealing his thesis idea. <laughs> Saying, do not appropriate my actual work for your new shortcut. <laughs> Christian, uh, not admitting any wrongdoing by doing this at all, yeah, yeah. he offers to collaborate with him. And because it's just getting worse, every reaction is just worse from the last one. And then yeah. after Christian has just told Josh about this, he leaves and Mark stops him to say, <laughs> Dude, of all the things to let me sleep through. Like, as if that would have just been, like, the deaths would have just been, like, an interesting thing to see. And he mm -hmm. missed out on it. 
Yeah. Oh, I do just want to point out, like, after this, just before Danny walks off and she's walking with Christian and he's, like, clearly, you know, he's just making the most basic attempt at being consoling for her and uh, clearly more interested in in getting to his, his thesis idea. And <laughs> she starts to walk off and he goes, yeah, just take some time for yourself, okay? <laughs> and, like... <laughs> uh, it's just terrible. <laughs> so then Pele tries to relate to Danny, saying he lost his parents also, but in a fire. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Wink. <laughs> but he he wasn't alone, even though he lost his parents, because he had this whole community to be his family. They're not bad. You don't have to be alone. And it's, no. it's like kind of a... a sexual also what he's doing because she's like christian Mm. could walk could walk in you know because he's like holding her hand and stuff but uh yeah you you get the sense that he's trying to yeah this is the do you feel held by him yes scene yeah it's (laughs) it's interesting i didn't remember this but we go directly from uh, do you feel held by him? Does he feel like family to you? And then smash cut to corpses. <laughs> yeah. Does he feel like home to you? And then we just have dead bodies of, yes. The... Being yeah. burned. <laughs> so after that, there's a scene that I don't remember from the theatrical version with a child. You saw the th- the the director's cut in the theater, but like when you rewatched it, I don't think there was a scene of a child dressed as like a Christmas tree. I don't. Remember so there's that. like a short scene, and they're doing another sacrifice because it's at. It's at oh no. wait, at by the yes. river. Yes. Okay. Yes, I do remember that. So they've sacrificed some jewels and a tree, and then there's a child that's dressed up like a Christmas tree that they're also going to sacrifice, but then they don't. So then immediately right. after this, there's a scene of Danny and Christian fighting that I I really enjoyed and I wish that they hadn't cut from the, the film. Mm-hmm. So Danny wants to leave, but Christian um, won't go with her. And she's like, mm-hmm. she says like, they're pagan rituals and they don't want anyone to know about it. So I feel like it's just like, hi, there should be like red flags and warning signs that you're just ignoring. So he says he's staying. She asks if he doesn't love her anymore. And then he just gaslights her uh, by saying that she gave him flowers to make him feel guilty. And that once again, she's playing the victim card. And Danny has a dream that all the guys leave without her. Mm. And then after that, we have another, it's like a simple, but very informative scene. So the ashes of the people that, that sacrificed themselves and that died, they have burned. So they take their ashes and they go put them in this hollowed out tree. And like, while the suicide is horrifying, it does seem like they really respect their dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we like pull back and there's some people chanting and then Josh and Mark are walking past them. And instead of like stopping and observing and like taking it in, Josh is like filming them. And Mark, you would think he doesn't even know that they're there. He just keeps walking, doesn't acknowledge them. They just see Pele across the field. And he's just like walking up to him as if nothing's going on. He's just like, Pele, what you doing? (laughs) 
So then Pele tells Josh and Christian that they can do their thesis on the, the community uh, as long as they change the names and location. And then Mark leaves to go to the bathroom and he pees on the ancestral tree that they just put all the ashes of their dead in. So then several people uh, in the community, especially Ulf, are very upset by this. He cannot understand. He's just like, I just had to pee. I didn't know it was special. <laughs> and then a woman that he has been exchanging looks with while he has been there, she comes over and she tries to smooth it, you know, like smooth things over. Um, but to keep us also at a distance, we don't get like subtitles of you know, like the conversations and stuff like that. So she like smooths things over and then um, she leaves and he doesn't know what she said, but he doesn't even care um he's just like did she, he's like oh he's like oh it'll be okay and he's like did she say anything else because he just wants to know if he can get laid he doesn't care that he peed on yeah. the ashes of their ancestors he just wants to know if he can have sex with that woman he cannot like see danger in front of his face like he just <laughs> so then connie's getting ready to leave and she's told that simon left without her that there wasn't room in the truck and they're coming right back to get her Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure, that would happen. <laughs> so then Christian is learning about the community and he learns that in Harga, incest is taboo. So they invite, they invite visitors. And then meanwhile, Josh is learning that the oracles who write the scripture are intentionally inbred. So it's like the one, one exception. Yeah. And then Josh offends the elder by asking to take a photo of the scripture from the book that he's, that he's learning about. And then we can hear a faint screaming in the background, but nobody really does anything about it. <laughs> so we have meat pies for dinner. Danny asks where Connie is, and Mark says, Connie was trying out for the sprinting Olympics. So Mark saw Connie running for her life and, again, did not notice that this is maybe like a bad thing or that anything was happening because he hasn't observed anything else. He hasn't taken in or soaked up any culture from anything else that has happened, but also does not recognize that there is danger or that why she was running. She's just running. <laughs> Christian finds a pubic hair in his pie from Maya, who also left a love rune under his bed. Ulf is still mad at Mark about the tree. And Mark actually says, is he going to kill me? <laughs> and then, yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> and then Inga, Inga, who Mark was looking at earlier, she goes up to Mark and wants to show him something. And they go off together. And yeah, I love that she doesn't even need to give him a reason. She's just like, come on, I'll show you. Yeah, he's like, she's going to show me. And he's just going to leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So then in the middle of the night, Josh goes to photograph the book that he was told not to photograph. I got to be honest, did not seem like a, a book that was worth uh, going through all the trouble to <laughs> to break the Dying rules over? for. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bunch of scribbles. It's just. <laughs> yeah. Especially when he also has to like change the names and, you know, the location, stuff like that. And you have art. Everywhere. There is art on yeah. like literally every wall. 
buy yourself some crayons. You can recreate it and like just claim that that's what it is if you need the pictures. But it's it's just the fact that he doesn't care to to show that respect and like keep some distance that they have something that's like, no, I can just invade and photograph and do what I want for my thesis to better myself. Mm -hmm. So he thinks Mark walks in and... uh, Okay, I don't know if you think it might be Ruben who does the art in the books or if it's like Ulf from the table that was really mad at Mark that is now wearing Mark's face. is just naked on the bottom and just wearing Mark's face like a mask. Yeah. Um, and then Josh is hit over the head. So the next day, the community says that the book has been stolen and asks where their friends are, which is a great tactic for murderers to play the victim come out first play the victim mm. where are your friends and this book is gone <laughs> and just throw off suspicion that way yeah. and it totally works and christian eats yeah. it up <laughs> for his own personal gain not seeing yes. danger in front of his face again uh christian does not want to be associated with josh thinking that he did steal the book and yeah only thinking of his best interest and not at all what's actually happening Mm-mm. So then Danny is now dressed like them. She is now wearing one of the the white dresses and she drinks magic mushroom tea for the dance competition to determine the May Queen. So this is based on a story about youth being lured to dance to death, which makes me think of Once More With Feeling. Yeah. So he yeah. some dance to death. Mm-hmm. And Christian is alone and he's staring at art on the wall and he's looking at a bear <laughs> on fire. <laughs> And he's nervous, but not not because of what he should be. Uh, just because he thinks that Josh stole his book and he does not want to be associated with him. So he finds out that he has been approved to be a mate for Maya and that Danny will never find out. And that he would also give him a unique glimpse into their sexual rights in the community. We... Don't see what his final decision is because we are at the same time watching the contest. The contest, And so he he ends up leaving. He drinks the tea as well. And Danny is going on a... It's his, his fatal mistake, I yeah. feel like. You see, him, you see him say he doesn't want to have a bad high, so he's not going to drink it. And then she's like, oh, no, don't, don't worry about it. You, it'll be fine. You won't have a bad trip. And he's like, well, okay, I guess I'll drink this. You sealed his fate. (laughs) So Danny goes on like a roller coaster of emotions while dancing. I really enjoy the scene. She's like upset and she's happy. And then she speaks Swedish at one point. Like, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Uh, She wins the dance contest and is crowned the May Queen. I would just like to point out. I don't know if this was intentional or not, but when she wins and everybody runs up to her and they're holding their hands up and like, you know, wagging their fingers, that is the same choreography as in uh, the uh, Gotta Dance song in Singing in the Rain. Oh. <laughs> everybody runs up to him with their arms doing that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> was it intentional? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I just, maybe yeah, I really wish there was a director's commentary. <laughs> for this movie and there isn't and I watched an interview with him and it seems like he wanted to keep a lot of things like intentionally 
vague, not like within the movie, mm-hmm. but like when answering questions about the movie, like clearly a lot of thought like went into to all the things that are, are in there. But yeah, like even about the ending, someone asked him about the ending and he just, anyway, we'll get to it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so she's surrounded by everybody. She thinks she sees her mom, but I mean, she's on drugs. Pelle totally <laughs> kisses her, inappropriate. And they put her on a pedestal. <laughs> Uh, and then at, there's like a long, like a, a wide shot and you see her sister in the trees, like made out of the trees. Yeah. And then Christian is the only one that's like really far away. Now it's like she is with the whole community and he's like standing far away as he is now the outsider as she has been accepted. And then while Danny is driven around in a chariot, Christian goes to have sex with Maya and she's naked on the floor, surrounded by other naked women, humming. Yeah. And while they're having sex, she reaches out for another woman's another woman who gets down and puts her hand on, like, puts her, Maya's hand on her face, and she just starts singing, just right yeah, in their faces. Okay. Uh, and all the women. No, I, oh, I will say this, and and this. At this point is where I feel like the original Wicker Man, which had a lot more uh, like pagan ideas about like uh, free sexuality. And there's a whole lot of of naked singing in the original (laughs) Wicker Man. So that's where I think that could sort of tie in uh, if you were to do a triple feature. Anyway. (laughs) I should watch the original again. I've watched it once. I haven't seen it. This maybe is not the appropriate time to say, oh, I should watch that again after you explain that. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. All the women's... You want to see the naked singing? I get it. Maybe? I don't know. (laughs) So, uh, yes. So then Danny hears the moaning and she sees that Christian is having sex and then vomits. She's escorted away by a group of women who are also upset and start moaning and yelling with her. Yeah, it's this weird, like, group. uh, Like, I don't know. How would you describe when they do this? Because they they do it a few times throughout the movie, and it's like this. It's like almost like empathy. It's like your pain is like their pain, and you're all experiencing it together. And I feel like it's those little things that – that make the place seem more real, that it's not just like horrific yeah. stuff happens all the time, that it's like they're kind of doing that. So when the other people die and they're not dead, it's like they're experiencing it with that guy. And then even like the sex scene again, like they're all experiencing like right. Christian have sex with Maya. And then they're all experiencing Danny's pain of this betrayal. And then again, like later they're experiencing pain. Again. So I, I feel like that's what it is. Like it's them coming together and experiencing something together, which maybe is that – how yeah. Pele says the camera. And it's in, in such contrast to all the scenes of Danny hiding away in order to cry throughout the movie, like where she, she has to go away and like, and like squirrel away somewhere uh, in order to, to uh, sort of keep everything bottled up as much as she possibly can uh, and to herself. Yeah. So, yeah. So while Danny is having this group cry, Christian is still having group sex and then a woman uh, comes up behind him and just starts pushing on his butt. It's just, it's the most awkward sex scene ever. Uh, It's horrible and uh, yeah, uh, very, I mean, he's, he's, he's 
high at this point, so it's 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 a rape. Also, <laughs> you know, like he can't really consent. No, like yes, like he technically he agreed to have sex with Maya while he was sober. And he agreed yeah. to take the drugs. But now that he is this person, he did not agree to others' participation or other yes. people like even in the room. And yes, he is now physically not fit to make his own decisions and stuff like that. So yes. Um, Very disturbing. Yeah. As well as just awkward. <laughs> so then he finishes and he freaks out. I can't imagine why. And he just, he <laughs> runs. He's just naked and he runs. And he finds Josh's leg sticking out of like a flower bed or the garden. And then he tries to go and hide in a shed. And he sees Simon just Hannibal style, just suspended yeah. from the ceiling with his back like carved open. And we see his lungs move. So he's still alive. Still yeah. alive. Which is really unfortunate. Mm. For him, I feel like so many of the deaths make sense. I guess maybe because he was disrespectful of their culture, he is now just kind of like another thing that I guess they they do. Or I don't, I don't yeah, know. I guess because he yelled so much during the the ritual suicide. Um, I, yeah, it's really too bad. Seems a little over the top because yeah. he seems so nice. Mm-hmm. So then. Uh, they find him, and then Ulf blows something into Christian's face, clearly another drug. And it's a great shot uh, they have of him, like, closing his eyelid, and then that half of the screen goes black, and then he does the other <laughs> side, which I just thought was really clever. So now Danny is miserable, and she's wearing a giant flower crown and I'm going to call it a cloak, a flower cloak. I don't really know what to call that. Yeah, It's almost like she's in a, uh, you know, those like personal, like, uh, spa things where you get in and it's like a, one of those, um, uh, like sweat, uh, yes. and I, <laughs> I hear someone talk about one of those all the time on a podcast and I can't think of what she calls it. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like like one of those, but made of flowers. Yeah, it looks great. <laughs> it just engulfs her. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny because I'm like I, I believe that it was like practical, but it almost looks like her face is like green screened onto the mm-hmm. flowers because there's such a contrast between her like pale, uh, you know, sickly looking face and these like super brightly colored flowers all around yeah. her. But I guess that's the whole movie. That's the whole movie right there. Yeah. So Christian is now in a wheelchair and he can't speak or move. And it's the last day of Midsummer, and they're giving nine human offerings to the father. They have six, but they need three more. Two people have volunteered and one is chosen at random uh, in like a bingo situation. And then Danny has to choose between christian or this random person to be the ninth sacrifice she chooses christian and then we see pele wheelbarrows in the child dressed like the christmas tree so that kid did in fact die so that kid died uh we have um mark who is now like a human scarecrow with a crown on his head because they mentioned a kid's game earlier called Skin the Fool and he was the fool that was skinned. So we have him wheeled in 
uh, to the temple. Plus we have Simon and Josh. We have the two volunteers and the two people who committed suicide. And then we have Christian getting stuffed into the carcass of the bear that we saw earlier. And then they set the temple on fire. And when the volunteers start to scream, the community, again, like screams and moans and angry dances with them, feeling their pain. And then Danny is watching it. And she goes from upset to kind of acceptance. And lastly, like a big smile across her, like the like a huge smile, just like content and happy and like everything is right with the world. And then the movie just ends. So Ari does not say, Ari after the director of the film, he does not say that it's, you know, like a, he doesn't say that it's a happy ending. He says the ending is designed to be cathartic. It's designed to play as a happy ending. And clearly it's not. Like, a lot of people say it's a happy ending, but it's like, really, what happens right after this? Like, she is now – there's a variety of things that are now terrible in her fate. It's either she is now stuck with this community and now she's one of them, which is not great. She's either going to just kind of snap out of it when she's not on drugs anymore and then she's going to try to get away and they're just going to kill her immediately, which I feel like is probably the most likely that she just dies, like, the next day. Um, Yeah, Yeah. but so there's no good outcome. (laughs) Like, it's not – (laughs) <laughs> yeah and also she just killed her boyfriend of four years yeah <laughs> like as much as he was you know the worst uh it was kind of the, the uh, probably just should have broken up with him instead <laughs> yeah if there was some way that she actually made it out of the town which i don't think that there is but if she did her parents are dead mm-hmm. her sister is dead and she just killed her boyfriend mm-hmm She's going to need a lot of therapy. And that's even if she makes that sound. And it's not, and she also witnessed people die and like a variety of people that she knew were also dead now. Like a lot of, yeah. Yeah. So, like for um, Harga, Ari Aster kind of, he took Swedish, English, and German, like midsummer traditions and Swedish folklore. And he learned the runic alphabet and they built their own language of runes and emotional hieroglyphics and then he researched uh different spiritual movements and he took the ones that he found to be beautiful he like he wasn't skeptical of but he took the ones that that he liked to kind of create this community and like Mm. their beliefs and stuff like that and he said i do see the community in two ways i really wanted harga to feel like a real place with a real history and a rich sense of tradition i wanted it to feel like a lived in place at the same time i want it to feel like they are here strictly to fulfill her needs and that they are almost a manifestation of her will. And in that way, I see the film as a fairy tale. Mm. Um, so like for the American men and the British couple, it's a folk horror movie. But for Danny, it's a perverse wish fulfillment fantasy. And I yeah. think that works. I think all of that works. Absolutely. And I think that's why it has the feeling of a happy ending because we're sort of – has to be in Danny's point of view there where she's been, you know, sort of choking back her grief and her emotions the entire film. And then we end with, uh, you know, this cathartic release of everything that's been uh, bogging her down and and holding her back. And it's horrific, (laughs) Um, but it is, it is cathartic, you know? Yeah. It's also, she is surrounded by people that don't want her there. Like, 
Her yeah. boyfriend doesn't want to be with her. He just doesn't break up with her in case for some reason he's going to regret it later. Like, <laughs> which is just terrible that it's just like, ah, I might regret it. So I'm just going to continue to be miserable and indecisive and not make a decision or yeah. like. And make you miserable at the yeah. same time. <laughs> like, and I'm just going to hold it against you. I'm going to make you feel bad. Like it's your fault that I'm not, you know, happier in this yeah. situation. Doesn't she. I can't. I I'm, might be remembering wrong. Doesn't she in the uh, director's cut straight up ask him if he wants to break up with her, or is it just that she asks him if he, if he he doesn't love her anymore? It may be longer. I should have rewatched that scene again. That that really great scene mm. at night again because she may have there. Maybe maybe I'm just remembering her, her asking if if he doesn't love her anymore. But it feels like like she is giving you an out right here. Like. She's the one that, you know, you're supposedly sticking around for because she just lost her family and she's, she's, she's she, she wasn't emotional about it or anything. She just asked him and he still could not be honest yeah. with her. Uh, but yeah, they don't want her around. They don't want her on the trip because she's just going to get in the way of what they want to do. And then this community, it's like, not only do they want her to be there, but it's like she is their May queen. Like she's just with all of them and they are just, she is now their queen. They worship her. So it's just yeah. the real opposite to actually like get some positive attention and people are happy that you're there. So yeah. Yeah. And then um, what else do I have? Oh, so there's an interview uh, with Jack Rayner and he was like talking about how, you know, the movie takes place in Sweden, but they filmed it in Hungary. And obviously there's American people mm. working on the film. So like a portion of the people on set speak English, a portion speak Hungarian and a portion speak Swedish. And there were not that many people that spoke all three languages. So every time something had to be done, they would have to be like translated and understood to each person to then translate it to get to like get everything done on set, <laughs> which just seems like so much work. And then the days are shorter. So they're constantly like chasing the light to film everything. Because mm. I just can't imagine like with continuity and just the way that the sun moves and stuff like that to make it all seem like it's the same. And then I guess they were yeah. also filming next to an airport, so you would hear planes. Sounds like a fun time. <laughs> anyway, uh, an hour later, that is Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll focus mostly on Midsummer in this episode. We'll do, uh, I'll try to get through Wicker Man. I don't have a whole lot for Wicker Man, so <laughs> shall we get yeah. started? Okay, so Nicolas Cage. He's riding behind a car on the freeway uh, that uh, drops a doll out the window. He picks up the doll and pulls the car over so he can give it back. And inside are a mom and a little girl who are very rude to him. Um, <laughs> well, the little girl is very rude to him. And she tosses the doll out of the car again. Uh, and when as he goes to pick it up, the car is slammed by like a, a truck uh, and it's on fire. Nicholas Cage is trying to get the little girl out by breaking in the window when the, the car blows up um, <laughs> and he's and he's thrown back uh, from from the fire. So uh, we flash forward and Nicholas Cage has been on leave from this, uh, you know, very disturbing uh, event that transpired mm -hmm. and. <laughs> Uh, we find out that nobody uh, knows who the car was registered to. The, this mom and little girl never seemed to have existed. Ooh. Can I stop you for just one second? Um, but, <laughs> so this woman comes by to check on him. And she says, guys at the station are saying you might resign or something. 42-year-old Nicholas Cage's response is, 
my dad would kill <laughs> my dad would kill me. <laughs> As if he's like a teenager wanting to take his dad's car out for like a joyride. He can't quit the force because his father would kill him. Anyway, I know it's really off track, but it's just so weird. <laughs> It's so much of this movie is funny, it feels like, because people don't act like people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, there's just a lack of, of, of people acting like, like, a, like a person. And so <laughs> uh, we'll get to more of that. But anyway, yes, his coworker, who is a blonde lady, make note, oh. um, <laughs> she also brings him his uh, mail, I guess, from work. Uh, and it's included in that is a um, a letter from his ex fiance who uh, like skipped out on him uh, with no warning, uh, and she has been living in this uh, little island community uh, in a place called Summers Isle, and her daughter is missing, and so she's uh, writing to ask him for help. So he goes, and uh, on the way there, we get a great scene where. <laughs> Uh, he's in a he's on a boat and or a ferry or something, and he sees a little girl out the window on the boat, and then all of a sudden a, a truck smashes into her <laughs> on the oh. boat. <laughs> hey, what color hair did that girl have? <laughs> she was blonde. Oh, okay. Uh, so then he wakes up. Obviously, that that was a dream, um, <laughs> and. <laughs> Uh, he gets to where he's going and he bribes a guy uh, in a plane to drop him off at Summer's Isle. He's, he's the uh, the mailman, I guess. Um, or he works for the mail. I don't know. He drops off their mail, usually. He doesn't want to uh, because it's, it's a private place, but Nicolas Cage bribes him. Um, so they get there and <laughs> just right off the bat, we meet some people who... Uh, just are immediately suspicious of and mean to Nicolas Cage for being there. Uh, there are also a couple of guys who are holding a bloody bag that's like moving around and and stuff. I, it's been a while and I cannot remember in the uh, unrated version. Do we see what's in the bag? Because you do not in the actual version. I. Did I watch the unrated? For, oh, I guess I did because I see his his legs broken. No, I don't. I never know what's no. in that bag. Okay, so yeah, weird weird thing number one. Yeah. They tell him, go ahead and look and see what's in the bag. And as he's going to look, the bag like jostles. And so then he they like laugh at him for getting scared of, of the bag moving. And then he just leaves. We never find out what's in the bag. No, which if you are there to investigate... <laughs> A missing girl. And I feel like a missing little girl, the possibility of her being dead is high. Like, it's just yes. it's a high one. And you've just got a bloody bag that's moving. Yeah. Which I don't know why you would have first it. First of all, yeah. his first reaction is, what's in the bag? A shark? Which, <laughs> why is that your first thought? And then... <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, he goes to... Uh, See if he can get a room at the uh, inn slash restaurant, I guess, uh, yeah. place that, that they have there. Uh, the woman checking him in is very rude to him, does not like him. Um, oh, we meet his ex-fiance, Willow, uh, 
who's very uh, unhelpful <laughs> throughout the entire movie yeah. about her about her missing daughter. Um, and we establish that uh, the community uh, keeps uh, bees and they sell honey uh, as their like main export. Uh, and Nicolas Cage uh, swats a bee while he's while he's checking in and uh, lets us know that he is allergic. So I'm sure that won't come up. Uh, <laughs> and from here, uh, you know, I'm just going to go through. It's basically the whole movie is basically just Nicolas Cage running around uh, in, in being like increasingly erratic behavior, looking for this little girl. So um, <laughs> we have a scene where uh we see the wall of May Queen portraits. I'm going to call them May Queens because I don't think they actually say what they what they what they're called. He notices that the most recent one is missing, uh, uh, and he's given the reasoning for it is that uh, the frame was broken. I believe um, <laughs> this is directly lifted from the original. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So then Nicolas Cage uh, swats at one of the bees. Um, uh, which uh, is very rude, considering that's where they get all of their uh, exports from. Uh, but he informs us that he is allergic to bees. So, um, you know, just great to be on an island <laughs> full of them <laughs> when you're allergic. <laughs> <laughs> we also established that he has two EpiPens uh, for his bee allergy. Basically, throughout the rest of the movie, it's just him becoming increasingly erratic as he searches for this girl. So I'm just going to highlight some of the scenes uh, that we see. Uh, he sees a wall of, very similar to Midsummer, uh, essentially May Queen portraits, uh, uh, young girls uh, in, you know, flowery dress and, and stuff on the wall of the inn. Uh, one of them is missing, the most recent one. When he asks about it, he's told that, it, like, the frame is broken. Um, then he has this very odd conversation with Lily Sobieski, who plays one of the sisters on the island, where he gives her the photograph of Rowan and asks her if she sh she's seen her and she just kind of laughs like like that's an answer he takes it as a no but that's not she didn't say no and I feel like as a police officer you would probably follow up with more questions but he does not do that <laughs> um and then she asks him if he yeah. will take her with him when she when he leaves uh which I guess he is just so thrown by that he he does not respond and he just leaves. <laughs> it's not it's not even behavior that it seems odd, but no. upon a second viewing, it all makes sense. It's it's very much like as if yeah. the movie were translated. Like when you get a translation of a conversation and then it's like translated again, but then it's like acting performances and as if these actors just – it's a foreign language. They did not understand the dialogue but assume that it makes sense. That is exactly Whoever's what watching like. it in um, – <laughs> So uh, let's see. Oh, he goes to uh, the school. Uh, to ask all of the teacher and all the students if uh, they recognize Rowan, if they know her, and they say that they don't. But then he notices an empty desk uh, in the school and um, asks to see the attendance record, basically, and sees Rowan na Rowan's name on it. So then he accuses all of the children of being liars. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and the teacher takes him aside and tells him that uh, they weren't lying, that 
uh, Rowan doesn't exist because uh, she is dead, but they don't have death in their culture. They don't refer to her to f- refer to people as being dead. Uh, and so he asks them why uh, Rowan's mother doesn't seem to know about her death. And he, he she essentially says that she's in denial um, about her child being dead. Um, and when he asks her how she died, she says she'll burn to death. And then when he says, wait, what was that? She says, she burned to death. <laughs> so suspicious. <laughs> uh, I would also just like to point out another, like, just small, ridiculous thing yeah. is he comes into this classroom and asks them, he wants to know if they know mm-hmm. Rowan Woodward, which, like, it's a small <laughs> class. They either do or they don't. It's not like we're on a private island, but he just... <laughs> erases what is happening on the chalkboard like their entire lesson (laughs) he just erases it to write rowan woodward as big as he can across the board as if they need to see it that big for these like 15 children to understand who that is (laughs) and fuck your lesson whatever you were learning yeah so at this point like this is the thing this is also in the original but it feels more like because they're not as antagonistic toward him in the beginning, they grow to be that way. And it's for reasons like this that you can see why. <laughs> like he just barges into the classroom, yeah. erases the chalkboard, like <laughs> takes over. And it's like just this man comes in. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, in this in this movie, it's just... It just seems weird. Like you're already disliked in this community, and you're going to go in and give them them even more reason to hate you. (laughs) So we also find out that there was apparently a shortage of their crop this year. They don't have uh, any uh, of their own honey on the island. It's it's like all store-bought. Throughout all this as well, Nicolas Cage is like hallucinating a bunch, which just leads to the whole like... (laughs) It's just this whole confusion. Is the girl missing? Is she dead? Is she like, is he finding, finding clues or is is none of it real? He thinks he sees her, uh, floating below the docks and he goes (laughs) and swims underneath to go and get her. But then, uh, he wakes up. Because he wasn't actually, she wasn't actually there. <laughs> but then he looks down and she's in his lap and then he wakes up again. We get a double, <laughs> a double yeah. fake out. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, at one point he gets caught in like the bee hive, uh, like the central, hi- I don't even know what it's called. There are beehives everywhere. <laughs> And he just gets caught running around. He's getting stung. He can't get his EpiPen out in time. And he thinks he sees her. Uh, was it really her? Was he hallucinating? We don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, and then he gets uh, saved when he wakes up from this, uh, you know, uh, allergic attack. Uh, he is uh, with uh, Ellen Burson, who plays... Um, uh, Summer's Isle, Sister Summer's Isle, who is like, I guess the human incarnation of like the islands, the island itself, or like the island goddess that they all worship. Like she's basically like their minister. She's she's the one who's who's the most close to God. Um, yeah, and uh, he 
uh, asks her if he can exhume uh, Rowan's grave, um, which she does give permission for, but then she also is like super passive aggressively um, <laughs> just talking down to him the entire time and, and implying that it's a shame that the bees didn't kill him and stuff like that. So. <laughs> He's also, there's a bunch of bees flying around him at this point. Oh, God. When you almost died and he reacts like they're flies, like it's yeah. just flies that just kind of won't get out of your space. I would lose my mind. Like if I almost died due to bees and then they're just still <laughs> around, I'd be freaking out. The buzzing is so loud. And here's the thing. I'm not necessarily like as a concept, because I'm, I'm approaching this movie trying to understand what they were going for. Because <laughs> I don't feel like they accomplished it, despite what Nicolas Cage claims. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, the whole concept of the bees, like, as uh, a uh, as a metaphor or as, as, as the um, uh, the sort of concept that this this religion is based around because, right, they've got, like, the queen bee and they've got all the – it's like a matriarchal society uh, and they've got all the worker bees of, of all the sisters uh, who, you know, contribute to the, the community and then all of the men are, like, these mute, like – uh just service workers who are like drones uh so like that kind of works and i feel like you know you've got your your protagonist who's allergic to bees and so you've got this you could have the sense of menace throughout the whole thing but this scene is just illustrates how poorly it's done because the bee buzzing is so loud and it's like if it were softer and like in the background it could just be sort of like a menacing touch to the whole thing but it's so in your face that it's just like almost overtaking the dialogue you're just like oh my god why is there why are we hearing the bee so loud in this scene um so anyway, he gets permission to exhume Rowan's uh, grave. And when he does, he finds a doll is buried there that's like burned. And we get another great Nicolas Cage <laughs> moment where he's just shoving the doll into Willow's face and asking her, <laughs> how did it get burned? He does not wait for an answer. He asks it four <laughs> times. <laughs> how did it get burned? <laughs> Um, so then he's just, he's fed up and he's, he's gonna search this whole goddamn island for this girl. And he's just starts kicking in doors, um, because this is, this is what a rational policeman does when he's looking for a missing girl. Oh, he found out at some point that she's his daughter, which, you know, you could guess based on probably from the beginning of the movie, but anyway, (laughs) um, Here's another scene that just it works in the original. It does not in this movie because the the very first house that he like knocks, you know, you know, in on in that, on, that he jumps in on, in on where he's looking for her, a little girl decides to like hide and in, in, is hiding in a cupboard. And when he opens the door, she like falls out like like, like she's dead. And then they all laugh at him, which seems so weird because like why was she hiding in there how did she know he was going to come in the original movie this happens but it's like after he's been searching for like it, you know it's implied like a few hours so like time has, ha- has has passed enough to like for word to get around in the community and for this little girl to like form this plan to like pull fast one on him you know but in this one it's just like why what <laughs> It makes no sense. <laughs> um, 
So he does not find her in all of his running around, <laughs> shockingly. Uh, and their uh, harvest festival is beginning. Um, uh, he goes down uh, to the docks at some point and sees that the pilot who had taken him uh, in uh, is now dead and like has had something weird done to his face. It's <laughs> it, it does not seem to really match up with the, the rest of, of the rituals that we see in the movie. No, but also but... they wanted like it's as if it's a punishment for the pilot bringing Nicolas Cage yeah. to the island. But like the whole point is for Nicolas Cage to get to the island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> even him getting there. Like, to both, like, the pilot and then when he arrives, it takes way too long to be like, oh, I was invited here. He's like, oh, I can't take you there. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I was invited. Here is this letter of me being invited. But he bribes him instead. And then when he gets there, it's like, oh, I'm a police officer. It's like, so? And then it's like, oh, I was was invited by Willow. And it's like, oh. Like, how is that not the first thing that you say as to why you're there? But anyway, the pilot did what he was supposed to. So he was murdered. Okay. Yeah. Um, he goes back and we get our first instance of Nicolas Cage punching somebody as punching a woman (laughs) in the face. Um, (laughs) uh, and then he puts on a bear costume, uh, in order to hide among, uh, everybody else, um, while the harvest festival is going on. Oh, I skipped past the whole bike thing, but... (laughs) He's he's riding a bike for uh, as he's as he's running around the island trying to find Rowan, and it's unintentionally funny. I feel like because it's just it's so hard to look purposeful when you're riding a bicycle. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> you have my permission to stay out of the fucking way. <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 just barreling through now. He's kicking people. He's punching them. Um, he <laughs> uh, and he gets in line as as everybody's like in some sort of uh, ritualistic like dance through the woods or whatever um, on their way to the harvest festival. Uh, he's next to Willow, and when he gets there, they see Rowan, um, and she's like tied to a tree. Like they're about to sacrifice her. And so he runs up in his bear costume and he punches <laughs> he punches somebody and <laughs> and he unties Rowan. Um and they get away and he's uh you know looking for uh, a way to escape. Rowan seems to know where to go, so he follows her and then she leads him back to uh everybody else. And uh he realizes that he has been had, and so uh they tell him that uh he has uh, arrived there of his own free will, and so uh, he <laughs> is now going to be their sacrifice because of their failed crops the year before. Uh, they needed a human sacrifice, and he is it because he's tied to them. Or and it's 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 you know all to do with uh, some sort of weird <laughs> um, thing with their religion where they needed apparently to go through this entire ruse in order for it, it to work for their sacrifice. Um, so they capture him. Um, they break his legs. They put a, a helmet yeah. on him and pour a bunch of bees into the helmet to sting him, which is where the famous, like, meme, the not the bees meme uh, came from. Um, 
<laughs> He's screaming about his eyes. Anyway. <laughs> it probably wouldn't be so terrible also if the bees weren't so horribly digital. Yeah. Like, if it looked real so that you could understand more of the horror, but they just look so fake while he's screaming. Yeah. Uh, he passes out because he's allergic, so they use their EpiPen, his second EpiPen, uh, to bring him in back to consciousness because you got to be awake for the sacrifice. <laughs> and <laughs> they pull him up into the Wicker Man um, and they set the thing ablaze and he uh, dies. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming. Um, that's kind of a downer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Can I say, so, okay, so something that I didn't know, because they're saying that the drone must die. Yeah. And I didn't know what that meant. I had to look it up because I oh. didn't know that a drone was a male honeybee. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, okay. So it's like, I had to like, it's like, I wrote it down. I was like, unlike the female worker bee, drones do not have stingers and gather neither nectar nor pollen. It's like a drone's primary role is to mate with an unfertilized queen. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like the men in Midsummer also that it's like, well, you're just here to kind of mate and then we don't need you anymore. <laughs> but yeah. 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 Um, which again makes Midsummer a great midpoint between because that's not really, it's interesting. Where I'm curious why they decided to go with this whole bee matriarchy thing in the remake for The Wicker Man, because it's not in the original. And it feels, I'm like, is it misogynistic? It kind of feels like it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, here's an island full of, you know, powerful, like, where that's run by women, and all the men have to, like, be mute servants to them and uh they're just a bunch of horrible harpies who will lure you to your death <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah um anyway but yeah so they kill nicholas cage and then flash forward and we see james franco and uh jason ritter at a bar um and they're about to leave because they they, they can't find anybody interesting, any hot ladies. Um, but then at the last minute, they spot uh, Willow and Lily Sobieski uh, and make their way over. And uh, Lily Sobieski narrows in on James Franco. And, um, uh, you know, she's uh, clearly found her next victim for Summer's Isle. <laughs> the end. Yay! Yay! It starts and ends with a cameo. Because it starts with Aaron Eckhart as a trucker. Like oh, in the very right. beginning. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's just because Neil, Neil, I cannot say his name. <laughs> it's so hard to say. Neil Labute. Yes. Um, uh, who's the writer director is it, like, he's a famous playwright. He's like, well known as, as for making like good plays. Uh, I don't know that he has as much success in the film uh, arena. And it is strange how bad this movie is considering how good of a playwright he is um but yeah so he he knows some actors from i think that work that he does um some other trivia yeah nicholas cage claims that they were aware um, of how funny the movie is well okay um <laughs> winona Ryder turned down the role of willow in this movie because she hated the script probably good good, good for good her. choice yeah. yeah um let's see oh in the original the island is actually called summer isle 
but they changed it to Summer's Isle because they thought that Americans would have an easier time pronouncing it. I, I mean, I do feel like Summer's Isle rolls off the tongue more than Summer Isle. Yeah, it does. I agree. <laughs> yeah. All right, they made one, they made one good choice. <laughs> Uh, Robin Hardy, who was a writer and uh, the director of the original film, um, and uh, Christopher Lee were both uh, very critical of this remake. And uh, Hardy had his name removed from the film's credits because he didn't want to be associated with it. Um, and uh, oh, there is a missing sign at the police station when Nick, Nick Cage goes at the beginning of the movie uh, with a photo of Edward Woodward's character from the original Wicker Man, who was the the Nicolas Cage uh, character, um, who obviously ended up dead. Uh, and yeah, that is the Wicker Man. All right. You want to talk about some food? Yes. Well, you go first. I know you actually made something. I haven't made anything yet. Oh, uh, I made a midsummer tea uh, for this because I felt like that seemed appropriate to make a little a little tea that yeah. she drinks to become May Queen. What kind so of tea it is, is it? It's chamomile tea, mm-hmm. and then um, it is also vodka and <laughs> elderflower liqueur so that it tastes flowery. And then lemons to kind of give it that that look. Because in the movie, it looks like, you know, like dandelions or like flowers or something that's like crushed into it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I think I have all that. I can make that. Um. <laughs> good, too. We yeah. we enjoyed it. I was running out of light while we f- were photographing it, which is just very unlike the movie. I'm like, no, I'm running out of light, but we were going to drink these tonight and watch it. So. <laughs> yeah. So very um, easy, though, to make and delicious. Yeah. So I had a lot of ideas because uh, I feel like this movie, both movies really kind of lend themselves to, I mean, pastry in general, you've got a lot of cakes with flowers and stuff like that on them. So uh, that's sort of uh, easy to come up with ideas for. But also you've got the honey in this movie. Um, And so I was thinking it would be fun to make, what I'm planning on making right now is like a burnt honey uh apple tart Ooh. with the apples in have you seen those tarts where they like you slice the apples really thin and then like form them in concentric circles to look like oh, flowers yeah. yeah those are beautiful yeah so maybe do that with a uh i saw one that suggested using hibiscus syrup to like dye the apples red which oh. uh would be great also just like on the side just a little blood on the side you know with the hibiscus yeah. syrup <laughs> um and then, but I was also thinking what a great double feature to do something on fire for. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was thinking maybe like some sort of meringue tarts or even just like cupcakes with a meringue topping that you could do in the shape of like a beehive and then obviously torch uh, the meringue uh, with fire. Um, or if you don't want to go through all that trouble, they do sell honey flavored gummy bears. <laughs> so you could just have some gummy bears. That's true. You have also made for something else, but you made bee cookies. Yes. I made uh, lemon and honey uh, bee cookies for, uh, it was a, a book, but that's on Sugared yeah. Nerd. So <laughs> those could work for this as well. Um, and then I was going to ask you, okay, so if you had to have a job 
Mm-hmm. And I know we're running long. So a quick question. <laughs> yeah. If you had to have a job from one of these movies, I'm wondering what job you would want. We've have we have some weird jobs in there. So we have like the the tavern owner slash mead server, mm-hmm. Mr. Beach. We have Francis Conroy as the doctor photographer, which is like also <laughs> an interesting job. Mm-hmm. Like Teachers, I don't think would be that great for either one because you have to like teach them some weird stuff to like yeah. get past some stuff. That that seems like a really a really tough job. Mm-hmm. Like pie maker, I feel like would be not so bad to work in the kitchen, especially with the number of women that were apparently making those pies for like a town of like forty people. There's like That's ten true. people making food. Yeah, um, I feel like bear wrangler could be fun because you have to. <laughs> Someone's got to take care of that bear. I yeah. almost feel like pie maker's too obvious, and I'd want to go with bear wrangler. <laughs> uh, I gotta be honest. Even though, well, here's the thing: job wise, I would absolutely want to be in that kitchen and like churning out pies. I feel like that would be a lot of fun with a bunch of other women. Um, but here's a, and I'm gonna turn a question back around on you: Would Uh-oh. you rather live uh, on Summer's Isle or in? Uh, Oh, what's it called? The, the place Harga? in Harga. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So it's a weird thing because I feel like Summer's Isle seems much more safe. Like as a yes. woman, I am safe there. Like mm-hmm. they will not hurt me. But <laughs> they are weird. Everyone <laughs> is weird there. You cannot have a normal conversation. Everybody is really standoffish. You would feel like really alone even Willow seems alone unless it was just like a whole thing to for them to pretend and we just never really met any of those people. Like if yeah. they really embraced her and like it was just all like a weird show to put on. Because like in Harga, they seem to like you. It's just that nine of you are sacrificed. Like you just right. – you're constantly kind of like in danger and at 72, you're going to kill yourself. But Here's the thing, though. The thing, though. I feel I like feel that, like that, that would get old fast. Like, like the whole like live, sleeping in a communal space up until, uh, until you're 18, like that would be the worst. No, thank you. <laughs> that's true. At least I get my own house on Summer's Isle. Yeah. yeah. That's really I feel tough. like Summer's Isle, no question. Okay. Because as a woman. Is, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a safer environment, even if the women are weird. I guess I can just stay by myself. Yeah. Which, you know. Uh, it's still very pretty. You get a lot of honey on the on the when it's when it's not an off season. <laughs> I mean, now that we've sacrificed a man, we will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. So I guess I guess yeah. Summer's Isle is the is the better place to be, so that I don't <laughs> I don't die. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Do you want to tell people where they can find us and what the theme for the next episode is? Yes. So uh, you can find us at movie underscore matchup on Instagram or at sugarednerd.com as well as some of our recipes. Uh, And next time we will be doing uh, communicate with a space mate. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, killing me won't bring back your goddamn honey. (laughs) 